This is the Practicing XP podcast. Hi, I'm Akshay. And I'm Chirag. We've been practicing extreme programming for 10 years each in ThoughtWorks. In this podcast, we'll share our perspectives, our opinions and experiences while practicing XP. Thanks for tuning in. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Practicing XP. Today we are going to talk about evolutionary design in a similar role play that you've got used to uh, from our last few episodes. We are joined by a bunch of our colleagues. Uh, let's just do a quick round of introduction. I'm Chirag. I'm Akshay. Hi, I'm Tejashree. Hi, I'm Vidhi. Hi, I'm Anil. Welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so let me give you a quick introduction of the scenario that we are going to role play on and then we'll enter the role play. So uh, I'm going to play customer, the three of you, Anil, Vidhi and Tejashree, you are the team uh, that, that we are beginning to work with. Uh, the context is that you folks have been building a system for, for our company. We are a retail company, you're build, building a system for us for the last um, uh, four months or so. <clears throat> I have just joined this company as a as a technical architect and so I'm coming in I'm I'm seeing the way you're working and I have some questions about about how you're working and how you will ensure quality so that's what I want to talk to you folks about right so we'll enter the role play now and and then uh, keep going on it for about 20 minutes and then Akshay will help us create a summary at the end Right. Okay. So, hello. Uh, nice to meet you all. Uh, you know, I've just joined this company. I'm taking up the responsibility for tech architecture of uh, for this uh, product. I've been um, observing how this team works uh, uh, over the last week or so while I was shadowing the previous person who was playing this role. And I have a bunch of questions, some, some concerns. That's what I want to share. And, and learn more about so one thing I am curious about is uh, where is the system architecture diagram for this team <clears throat> where is the high level design where is the low level design where is all that I don't see that anywhere in in your team drive or any of the documents system so what am I missing can you give me that first okay uh, so uh so I think you talked about uh, two, three things here, the system architecture and high level design and low level design, right? So I, I, I kind of share uh, your concern primarily because I'm coming from a similar background and it's been recently that I started working in this new uh, way of developing software, right? So uh, so I, I totally echo your concern. So uh, to your point about system architecture, uh, I think we do have a high level um, a diagram, kind of a Visio diagram, which talks about individual components in our uh, system uh, and the interaction between those components at the protocol level, something like, you know, a component A goes to component B, it's a TCP, HTTP protocol, then it goes to database, which, which is JDBC protocol. So we have very high level component diagram uh, and a kind of a deployment diagram. Uh, so we have that diagram in place which kind of addresses the architecture um, uh, representation of the system. 
coming back to low level uh, i think uh, this is the slight change that i have seen when i started working with this team uh, which is um, where do you how do you represent a low level uh, design right so the traditional way of doing it is you typically draw low level low level diagrams you draw class diagrams you draw sequence diagrams somebody else who has understanding of the design he is kind of developing those diagrams he would hand over those diagrams to the developers and then he would look at the uh, those diagrams and then do the coding uh, so what we have we've been doing as a team is bypass that step uh, and 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 say that the code itself is a representation of my low level design right so we are not saying we are going to have two representation one is a visual uh, the class diagrams and interaction diagrams and then the other one is a code we are saying code itself is a production that will go in production as well as it's a representation of the design and the requirements so i think that's a slight change of perspective that we need to develop uh, when we uh, you know uh, get into this mode of uh, software development which is like a iterative which is which the design evolves as we progress so although we, we we may have a high level architecture in the beginning but as we go through development we want to build it uh, through iterations so uh, with the end they just really want to add uh, ंगीचर requirements so if you create a document then whenever you have a change in that you again have to maintain that document and you have to keep that changing so that's why uh, we do not uh, create that diagram yeah. for the low level design yeah i think uh, the challenge there is to keep it always in sync right i mean uh, during the course of the development we tend to get busy with the actual production code and then who do, who is going to go back and you know keep all those diagrams intact so right. you want to add Yeah I second that opinion the reason uh, being uh, I faced such kind of situation in my previous projects as well where the document says something else and if you're following that exactly. and debugging some issue as well then and if you look at the code it is not in sync and that's why you mess up even the understanding of how uh, functionally uh, things are done so i think that way to maintain it only at the code level is the right way to do it but i think in addition to that uh, we can have um, uh, not exactly everything into the diagrammatic uh, way but few of the other things which are you know really critical and need to be uh, uh, need to be uh, mentioned somewhere uh, for new person or new even business consultant who is joining the team to get the get into the product these kind of diagrams can be um, uh, uh, i mean kept along with the high level architectures as well hmm. so uh, let me see so then you you're saying that code is itself is the representation of the design and so when a new person joins you expect them to uh, read some of the high level architecture diagrams the component diagram and deployment diagram I and mean, that they will be able to read as a diagram right but after that they would be expected to jump into code and understand everything is that uh, uh, right so the way i yeah the way i look at it is uh, uh, 
uh, you know you start with the uh, top down right so top level view you would get looking at the component diagram yeah. and then let's say uh, i am a new developer and trying to get into the uh, team uh, if i am picking up a particular story then i would go through the story then i would try to understand its acceptance criteria and then that kind of gives me a lead into the code yeah. so i get into the code uh, i look at the unit test or integration test for that module now that is kind of a documentation because the integration test would tell me for a given input what is the output that i'm expecting so that's kind of a requirement or accept acceptance criteria so that that's a, that's a you know documentation of the low level requirements uh, as well as the interface that my component is exp- uh, exposing so that's where the low level design starts and then you drill down to understand the lower level details individual classes would have unit test so that will give you lower level details so uh, i would say that is kind of a slowly transitioning from top level to the low level design and so in practice uh, i mean you you're saying so okay what, what you said so far maybe it helps me understand that one story that i'm supposed to do today uh, but doesn't it then take too long for one to understand like the big picture of what is what are all the entities in the system how do they interact with each other what is the design patterns i mean there are certain ways of doing certain things right within mm-hmm. an application's code base how do i know that something like this is already there in the code base somewhere mm-hmm. there is no documentation if there is no formality about these things mm-hmm. how do people discover those things so so for example we like if if a new person wants to understand that how the components are being interacted and other stuff that is already covered as a part of the uh, application architecture uh, design specification or the diagram which we have created for individual component if there is any specific uh, like patterns design patterns which we are using which is like common across all the components then that can be documented like just to give an example in the, my previous exam in my previous uh, project uh, like i was working on a mobile application where we were following like mvp design pattern for all the modules whatever modules we had so then that you can document because like we had come up like we had come up with that and we have finalized that design pattern over the period of time because that was not like when we started working on that project uh, like we had started introducing that pattern that we realized and we evolved and so then those kind of things you can uh, document somewhere if there are some design patterns which is like commonly followed across multiple mm. modules that you can mention but then you actually do not have to mention like each and everything you just say that okay we are following the mvp and then everybody knows what is mvp yeah. so then you don't have to like uh, mention anything more than that so i had a question around that so if let's say uh, i'm joining a new team right and uh, you say mvp right first day and i would have no context about it right so uh, when when we are talking about evolution of a design and you come up with those objects and all those things uh, how do you document those things for the person who is onboarding from that perspective how will he discover those things 
yeah so so those things like as uh, like whenever a person new person joins the team right we have that onboarding it's not like directly that person has uh, like you know started working on the project we have that onboarding where we discuss about the what kind of architecture we are following in the project and at that time in that itself like we talk about what are the patterns which we are following in the code base so in that way like person gets to know that okay we are following mvp if a person doesn't know about the mvp then person has to go and you know like refer that okay what is mvp and uh, how mvp is being used and what are the advantages of uh, mvp so, and so then you use your own judgment to figure out which types of diagrams you want to create so you don't want to create a diagrams for the whole system up front mm-hmm. you instead want to create like let code evolve mm-hmm. and then you will create diagrams for the parts that you think are what hard or important or i would say uh, from a design perspective uh, something that we are so, you know uh, some kind of a pattern or some kind of a uh, so for example last project we had uh, let's say workflow right or we had rules right so that could be candidates where we could have some documentation in terms of how we are approaching uh, and maybe an example out there just to give an idea but that doesn't really reflect that doesn't really mean that we are going to document each and every aspect of the low level design because using that pattern let's say a rules pattern that we have i could implement 15 different rules so i'm not going to document all those 15 rules but i'm just going to have one example uh, and in terms of onboarding i think what we need to consider is the documentation along with the interaction with the team members is kind of a combination that we want to use to onboard a new person it's not that uh, a new person joins and i'm going to give him this document this wiki link and this is your github access and you go and figure it out it's not that way it's more of an interaction we would sit with a, a new member because when i joined a project i had a business analyst i had a deep dive session with him i had a developer i had architect i had a deep dive sessions with him so i think it's more of an interaction and the documentation would complement it so that's how i look at it mm-hmm. okay so okay so maybe i'm getting convinced that the um, documentation bit for new developers wouldn't be that hard in the way you are approaching it but tell me this how do you ensure that code evolves in a sensible sane direction why is why wouldn't you want to do some upfront design get some experienced architects in uh, together like use their help and and their experience to think about design think about you know high level uh, in- entities and their interactions and actually do all that thinking so that you don't have to because there is a risk that uh, developers who join the team will have different levels of experience different levels of exposure to this current programming language or or paradigm and so aren't you putting too much uh, at risk by just saying acha you know it will evolve what does it mean that yeah. so i think evolve is kind of a overloaded term and could be interpreted in different ways for me the evolve is don't try to do too much upfront thinking that i would build a system which would which would be so flexible that i'll be able to meet any future requirement because nobody knows future right and we know that we anticipate some future try to design a system and 99% of the time client is going to give you a requirement which doesn't fall Uh, under the requirement that you assumed right that's like that always happens mm. so my idea of evolve is 
you have some basic structure in place so even i remember last project when we wanted to design the entity model we did anticipate that you know within mvp what is that we want to achieve mvp plus what could come so what is a reasonable entity model that i can start with which can be refactored and evo- can be evolved is it is it that flexible if yes let's take a decision move ahead and we'll think about refactoring later on so the idea is analysis paralysis uh, that happens right if you try to spend too much time trying to analyze and design you lose a lot of time trying to come up with ideal design that might anyway in fail in future so the idea is build a flexible design which can be evolved slowly and doesn't take up too much time up front uh, from a design bandwidth perspective so that's my view I think in that case uh, it also happens that uh, we are bringing if we are doing the upfront design in that case we are uh, bringing the flexibility to the part which doesn't need it uh, just because we thought it's a good design and we should design it in this way but actually the flexibility needed in some other part of uh, uh, design and which was uh, which was then came as a, a requirement from the client in the future iterations in that case it becomes a difficulty even for a good architecture he cannot you know uh, predict each and every uh, requirement coming into the future and on the second part that you said that um, there would be a diverse uh, developer experience which will be in the team and it would be too much of uh, responsibility for them to carry out whole this exercise in that uh, case i think uh, uh, if he is pairing with uh, uh, with a, a seasoned design uh, architect Uh, while doing uh, this exercise in that case he will be also learning a lot of stuff uh, along with the architect who is sitting with him going through this evolving uh, process uh, and uh, second thing is uh, this this uh, whole design process also needs to be monitored in some other other way where how we are going how we are designing in uh, in not like in on daily basis but at least two or three year two three year days so we can go over the design how it is going where we are going in that sense how do you do I, that can you yeah i think i want to add to what i think she made a very good point so even in my last project what we used to do is the tech hurdles that would happen uh, on a daily basis on altered it so somebody comes up and says hey i i need some input on this one uh, how do we do it so we would have quickly uh, hurdle and then discuss that design so that you know we would have some consensus around how do we take that uh, design forward so i think this is more of a reactive somebody approaching you and then you're trying to have a tech hurdle and resolve it the other way is uh, you know as as a leads in in the team i think they should be actively uh, monitoring you know the code or the commits that are happening and keep a watch on how stories are progressing uh, so that way they can have a handle on the design decisions that are being made by the developers so instead of i i i see this as a instead of architect coming in uh, you know preaching this is architecture and then moving on i see that as a constant uh, you know uh, activity that should be done in 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 the due course of the uh, development it's not one of activity to me yeah also and i have experienced uh, in my previous projects as well where actually uh, even though like you are on a project since quite some time and then you are following a particular way of developing things maybe there are some new person who joins the project and that person may have like a totally different way of solving the problem or even designing the whole uh, pro- problem and it is actually really like good 
and yeah. then like because the, the people who have been working on that project for quite some time may have some tunnel vision and they are like very comfortable in doing things in a particular way but then if there are some other people who join the project they bring new perspective so we should also like not uh, like you know stop that we should encourage that that it, it may be helpful for the project as well so uh I I was thinking more in terms of somebody has given me set of instructions let's say the architecture is pushed to you and you're supposed to follow those instructions you might possibly find better ways of doing that but you would not do it because someone has passed on or pushed it to you so you miss that opportunity of you know learning new things at that point and having it in a better way second point about uh having a evolutionary architecture or you know evolving architecture is it gives you an opportunity to make mistakes which are very small right you can step back immediately with that given or pushed design you cannot do that right it's already decided up front even if there is a mistake it's going to be there and moving back on that mistake would open up a whole can of worms over there so yeah that was my uh, take on the evolution of it rather than just pushing it yeah so i want to uh, talk about that a bit more so yeah so you saying it's hard to design upfront and get it right because things can change uh, and i get that that's consistent with my experience but then things i mean that you know first time you write code you will still not get it right i meaning you know it still might not be great especially now because there are diverse set of people doing it etc it's probably even lesser chance that you will get it right uh, the first time you write the code so tell me again how will that change in the future how will it how will it get right so over a period of time so mistakes right i was talking about making mistakes right when when you make mistake you would not know it until you have done it right that's yeah. that's how i take it mm-hmm. how you learn to walk right you fall down and then you understand that you know this is walking this is how you do it you balance it mm-hmm. so that opportunity is somewhere you will start learning it and probably if you don't get it right right now mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you'll not get it right ever somebody is going to point it out somebody is going to come to you and tell you that you know it's not going to be like you're discussing a document you're having a conversation and understanding the de- decision or reasoning behind that which is not there in that document which will be pushed if mm. if you really see from that perspective i think we uh, so in terms of trying to get it right the way uh, i think i've seen it uh, working is probably when i start i would build it for the current story or current requirement uh, uh i let's say next iteration i pick up another story uh, then i realize okay the f- i built these two stories but now the design is not really that good but fortunately uh, i do have test automated test uh, which gives me a confidence kind of a safety net to me and then what i can do is maybe once the iteration 2 is done i would devote some time for refactoring and i have test to make sure that you know my functionality is not breaking so i would take that opportunity trying to evolve uh, that design so try to you know maybe take a couple of steps forward in terms of trying to get it right so i think yeah and to add on that point like whenever like if we are developing the first two two stories and whatever design we have come up with it's not like that is wrong that that is right at that situation 
so it is like when we say that okay the our design is evolving that doesn't mean that the previous state was wrong that was not wrong that was right for that situation but now the situation is different and now we have to make some correction so it is not like that we want to reach reach to a particular ideal state where the design is right it's not like that uh and i feel that uh, it's a continuous process so it's not like we are done with it and now we are going back and seeing whether a design is right or not while actually you are developing that story you are through that process at that time only developer is thinking in this direction okay so how can i refactor now since the functionality is working how can i refactor to be in the better design position okay another puzzle i have is uh, that traditionally when we've done design up front um i used to feel confident that we'd be able to do a good job at thinking about the design because at that stage there is no pressure there are no i mean there is a deadline by which the the design needs to be done but there's no pressure that somebody is not standing on your uh, and you know deep thinking takes some time and so that's why i felt like design stages used to make sense now in this case where you are make, i i can see the benefits of you know using code as design etc but then you are mixing the um, the concerns of building something that uh, that is uh, that that will go to production tomorrow and like you know and and users are clamoring for it uh, for getting that feature you you mixing actually delivering and designing too close to each other isn't it and wouldn't that then mean that you'd be under pressure to just get stuff done and take shortcuts and not really be able to design properly because you are under pressure to get things shipped so if there are some features uh, for which we have that feeling that maybe it's a complex bit in terms of design we can prioritize it early so that we don't have to like uh, we don't have to do that in the time crunch so we can like do some prioritization exercise to uh, cover that but uh, we don't like that doesn't mean that we have to do design upfront only one one more uh, factor here is um that confidence in the beginning if you do a design and the confidence that you get or the comfort that you get that you know my design is now complete that itself i would question that in most of the scenarios because uh, that confidence or that comfort level is basically based on designers imagination of future requirements okay and that assumption uh, itself might uh, break down very quickly so that comfort factor is more of a uh, i would say um, it's hypothetical and uh, it could it could not stand much i mean it may not stand uh, during the course of the project mm. so uh, i see the concern there in terms of visibility and i think that is where we need to balance between having a documentation around high level uh, architecture maybe documentation documentation around the key architectural decisions so we have this architectural decisions documentation as well right so you document those you document patterns we need deployment diagrams because we need to talk to infrastructure person infrastructure person is not going to understand the code uh, neither the high level block diagram he needs to understand the deployment architecture so those kind of artifacts are absolutely required so the question here is where do we stop documenting those diagrams and where do we leave rest of the documentation to the code i think that is the right balance that we need to strike it's not either or it's basically complementing uh, these two artifacts hmm. 
cool i think that's good let's uh, wrap up this conversation Uh, thank you so much yeah well uh, before you uh, uh, before you and i just wanted to make one point which was kind of interesting so uh, with everything uh, nothing is free right uh, we, we live in a real a real world and there is one anti pattern that i have learned in a hard way which is uh, we tend to defer the requirement we always say agni you are not going to need it so do it later right so do the design later but uh, every now and then you reach a stage where there is a last responsible moment there's something called as last responsible moment what it means is now is the time that you need to decide do you want to design something for future future or do you just want to stick to today so because if you miss that moment and if you go ahead it is quite possible that the refactoring that you'll have to do in later point in time could be very costly so there is this anti pattern with uh, this approach so we have to really be closely monitoring which is where I, what i mentioned earlier closely monitoring keeping a watch have a tech huddles Uh, and then do actively uh, reviews and that is where leads and individual developers uh, need to be uh, proactive mm. yeah that's cool. it thanks cool all right uh, let's end with our role play and we can jump into a summary so we can bring in more of these points but uh, in a slightly more structured fashion than the role play so we we'll let akshay lead us in that and and add more points there All right, cool. So uh, I was just jotting down a few key uh, points uh, while the role play was going on, uh, and so early on in the in the role play, we were talking about uh, uh, so a couple of things: code as uh, design uh, from the point of view of uh, not having duplication. and that's why making sure that what actually shows up in your code is the real design and and then you don't have this discrepancy of some uh, stale design lying around uh, which misleads you uh, when you're trying to debug or when you're trying to develop new features uh, and uh, so i just wanted to uh, you know go a little deeper on that and understand if you have any examples or if you've uh, seen this really works so this sounds perfect in theory uh, that that this would work uh, in in real life have you faced uh, have you has this always worked for you or have you faced any problems uh, or can you give some examples about where you've uh, actually seen this work or not work yeah so maybe i can uh, give an example from my last project itself where uh, you know for one of the modules we started uh, with a certain design Uh, and uh, probably in the middle of the project uh, we had some understanding gap uh, and and then that required uh, that we need to revisit uh, uh, the design itself the the, the requirements themselves were slightly different so we had to revisit the design uh, so i think that is where uh, we could identify the areas which are you know which we can kind of continue the areas which the or the modules that we need to revisit and then refactor and then uh, and then evolve right so that is where i can uh, say that the evolutionary part of the design does work because you would have uh, the unit test the integration test uh, you know what is still intact uh, given the requirement change so i think that in those scenarios it does help you to quickly move uh, and progress with the uh, changed view of the requirements 
डायग्राम so anyway it would have, it would have been a stale document so i think it kind of worked where we had the integration test uh, as a documentation so looking at that i could see that you know what is that is getting impacted yeah got it so it might be useful to try and see if we can create a list of uh, issues that you typically see with upfront design one is this that uh, that the design diagrams and documentation goes out of sync with real code pretty quickly as people start uh, implementing um we talked about both of you mentioned anil and tejesh you mentioned that requirements change quickly and and thus the design that you had thought of is now not applicable anymore um and the the parts of the system that you think needed flexibility now some other completely different aspects of the system need flexibility because the requirements have changed um so those are those are two issues you talked about the fact that um uh, the devs cannot provide inputs so then it the the thinking is limited to be done by only two three senior people in the team uh, you can't get benefit of the thought processes of the other 10 or so people that also would be on the team because they would then just get these documents and at that point even if they found some interesting flaws with it or better ideas they it isn't mm-hmm. easy typically to be able to go back and negotiate a better design uh, any other issues with big upfront design that you folks have experienced or thought of yeah, i think one was the time that usually that you know you take with the upfront design because uh, it's like so so typical scenario right you have architect who is kind of responsible for the design and from his perspective his deliverable is the design so he has to be he has to think through all the scenario possible scenarios uh, and then try to come with a design which will still stand uh, test of the time as well as uh, nobody should come back with the feedback saying that it's wrong design mm-hmm. so the time that you spend trying to build that design is kind of a lost time mm-hmm. in some cases if the requirement change right and which eventually happen in all like the cases you're saying that it will always almost always yeah. happens however much people tell you that yeah. it's not going yeah. to change yeah you don't want to trust that because yeah because the business itself is uncertain right you have stakeholders changing so i've seen lot of projects like long running projects stakeholders change a new person coming in has a differently totally different perspective of the requirements right yeah. uh, your uh, maybe a market cu- changes yeah exactly exactly just do something right. else uh, right yeah so to say that you know requirement would be constant is a dream yeah and i and one more point which i would like to add is it's all about the imagination like you have created the design but you cannot guarantee that whatever you have come up with it is going to work so like it's yeah. not like that you try out some small thing and then you test it and you see whether it is actually going to work in the code or not it is just like you are just creating the building blocks and exactly. based on your imagination you have come up with some design which is going to work but that is 
that is that is not giving you any feedback early feedback that okay this is going to work or it is not going to work mm. i guess yeah, yeah uh, anil and vidhi both of you have word used the word imagination i guess in slightly different ways and i think both are right in the sense that uh, you're saying it's all imaginary till it's on paper till it's not converted into lines of code who knows whether it's right or not right even i as an architect i would only know when i when it translates into code that's one leap that you're taking right just in your mind the other uh, sense in which you use the word imagination was your imagination of what the requirements are yeah, going to yeah, be exactly. and and while it feels too dramatic to call it imagination because yeah because at yeah. one level people are i mean there are requirement documentation yeah, or, yeah. or you're right. talking to business uh, uh, smes etc before starting the design so it is based in some reality but yeah. the, but the real point is that however much people say this is the future this is how it looks like wow. they are all unsure because yeah. it is going to change and, yeah. and thus it is as good as imagination yeah yeah because even the requirement documentation that we have i i would always like to treat them as a guidelines to start the discussion rather than something that has stayed you know uh, you know in in stone written in right. stone so even so as a be, even as an architect in a in a in a system in a team that yeah, would, that have. wanted to follow upfront design you are saying that you would not really take requirements too seriously in a, in a sense i would take i would take those as a guidelines and then i need to build my own so those guidelines are like a set of requirements yeah. but i need to think about what are the requirements that are lying outside that set yeah. because i need to build a super set yeah because otherwise what is the role of architect right if i have to just take that set and give you a design then what is the role of our architect yeah. i need yeah. to imagine the boundary scenarios i need to imagine what is outside that which builds a super set so mm-hmm. i think and more you uh, stay with a particular so my uh, experience in the past has been with the bank where i stayed with a particular portfolio for a long, long time mm-hmm. and most of the time i would probably know more of a domain than a new business person who's just coming in because they would change often okay. so to rely on a business diagram itself was a you know question for me mm-hmm. because i would always treat them as a guideline and then i would work with the business stakeholders Uh, and and then then they build the requirements so it was like a two step process so i think that is where uh, i am slightly um, apprehensive about too much upfront design i think uh, uh, in my case uh, earlier i have you, uh, worked on the project where uh, we really did not have a architect kind of a role but whenever a requirement used to come we used to have and sit uh, together and do the upfront design in that uh, way how it used to go like is if a big uh, requirement is coming up then uh, days are uh, gone just on designing thing and then at the end it are, it is like uh, we know what we need to design just by going by the design but now the time is less to code it actually so i think that way it doesn't work if you are doing it in a small chunks then actually you have a working thing uh, and the documentation as well in the code itself and you can go about it for even refactoring and designing perspective so few things it is good to have upfront in upfront design but to invest a lot of time in just upfront design won't be a good idea so in in a uh, lot of projects that i worked in so far what used to happen is we never had this upfront design of the whole system you can always have a upfront design of a smaller chunk you mentioned smaller chunk that's where uh, my thought process was 
like you're pairing right and you come up with a design for that chunk that's that's still a front design because you have not coded yet right. but sometimes it's good to have right you can wrap your head around that smaller chunk mm-hmm. wrapping your head around a whole system is a much cumbersome process there there are chances you'll miss a lot of things right. at that point because you're not taking into consideration the variables in your environment right it's it's exactly like physics after a point so what what i felt uh, while doing that was having a front design is not a problem unless you're doing it for smaller, smaller chunks and i think we do as a part of the uh, even the individual story development uh, we as you rightly said as whenever we pick up a story and we are pairing we we'll always sit and discuss you know how do we go about it what are the scenarios and the scenarios would lead to uh, some kind of a design then you debate the design so you are doing it at the smaller as he said at the granular level which kind of slowly then would connect with each other and then build the overall design yeah. that sounds like a jigsaw puzzle to mm-hmm. me most of the time that you put it together by chunk by chunk yeah. and then you reach the whole system so yeah so so then on um, with evolving design it would solve a lot of these problems right of you know if code is the real documentation then it will stay in sync you can still create documents for the bits that are uh, important and you want to highlight for new people or for existing team members to really uh, keep in mind uh as requirements change your code should keep changing so it it will solve a bunch of and you can get everybody's inputs and you know uh, get the best ideas from the team so it can solve a lot of the problems but i feel we uh, m- m- it might be useful to to reflect on the fact that uh evolving design can't work by itself there are a bunch of other practices that a team has to do right for really getting that success in 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 being able to design still in evo- in an evolutionary manner you mentioned a couple of them right like uh, like writing automated tests integration as well as unit tests writing it at such quality that people who want to understand what this this is they can just read the test and understand it and so so one is to write test and second is to write it at write the test code itself at such quality that mm-hmm. people can read and understand it so that's one thing right that makes it makes it possible for for yeah, uh, for you to sort of say okay you know you are a new developer you start understanding this system by reading tests like that there are a bunch of other things that that teams do to Uh, ensure that evolutionary design can actually work let's create a list of that so what other practices come to mind that are critical just just out of that uh, points i i had one concern about evolutionary design for example uh, if you are designing apis right and if you keep on changing your contracts at that point is it going to create a problem or not and uh, is it going to create problem just for you or the people who are using you know your contracts and that's where uh, dependency graphs and all these things become complex when you're in a very modular environment and people are depending on these modules at the end of the day so that was my concern about evolutionary designs at this point. 
But I think the point which you mentioned, right? It anyways, right? You have to maintain the like compatibility with the other systems, right? So I think anyways, like you cannot just directly change uh, the design if there are other uh, entities which are depending on you. Uh, so in that case, right? Even if you decide to uh, change or evolve the design, right? There are other entities which also have to make some changes. So it is not just like by yourself you can take that decision. Correct, correct. So uh, I, I. think i did not rephrase my question correctly the cost of change is going to be very high in right. such an environment whenever you think of evolutionary architecture in such places wherever there are uh, integration points yeah. so you have to be very careful at these points maybe right. internally Correct. whatever we do team boundaries are something uh, important yeah. to be aware of you have to freeze the parts at which two teams are going to interface Correct. with each other yeah uh, and that we cannot frequently change so maybe we have to upfront like think on it that right. uh, like so i think that is where uh, if you can uh, partition the problem into two areas one uh, one is the your interface design right so uh, the in- interface design is a contract basically how i am going to communicate with you but how do i implement that interface can evolve right so if you can you know uh, separate these two concerns interface as well as the implementation i think to some certain extent it will address that issue the interface itself can go through versioning so you could have multiple versions so we see facebook api other apis they would have versions you could connect to one version and if you want to continue with that legacy version you could continue uh, but the other versions would provide the evolution part of the puzzle so i think it can be uh, partly addressed that way right so on the on the backing practices i want to come back to that point of backing practices because i think it's one thing to say ki evolutionary design is good but it would fail if like you're not writing good unit tests it's not going to work um uh, we talked about refactoring right so now uh, unless the team is continuously refactoring and and keeping things simple initially and then continuously refactoring it's not going to yeah. really evolve at all it will be some design that somebody comes up with while writing the first story and nobody like you know nobody touches it or nobody improves it then it's not going to evolve so are there i mean i have a list of practices i can go through them and maybe so maybe we can all add to it right so collective code ownership uh, can somebody connect with that and share like how does that um uh make evolutionary code happen and work well uh i think in that case the tech lead or the senior member in the team comes into the picture where um as i said he is monitoring things and he is uh, and he he knows that where is the opportunity to he do or she he or she, she yeah she. yeah <laughs> <laughs> he or she knows that where is the opportunity uh, to have a refactoring done and uh, maybe not uh, by himself or herself doing that thing but uh, making it a practice throughout the team that we should be doing this and then maintaining the uh, design level for refactoring for refactoring yeah. yeah okay i think even sorry so one which i uh, like on can connect uh, from the collective ownership is like uh, evolving design is not just the job of uh, one or two people it is like as a team you have to keep looking at how you can improve and how you can get better so it is not just one or two uh, yeah. people's job that's what i can uh, yeah, yeah, I connect with the collective yeah. and i think what has uh, uh, helped me uh, i mean my experience in the previous projects is uh, 
uh, you would always have a mix of teams right so some team members are junior probably they are still not uh, well versed with all the practices so uh, you know uh, maybe just e- even in the stand ups or after the, hu- the huddles that we have or just go to their desk and you know just ask you know how are you how are you doing this part so that that constant feedback if you get from the team members i think that way you can keep a close watch on you know how is it going uh, from the design direction perspective and i think once the team member starts uh, contributing to that uh, design phase and everything he also has a sense of you know happiness One that and okay i am also contributing and next time onwards uh, that person also thinks in that direction so yeah yeah i think the other part of uh, collective ownership is also uh to feel free to evolve any part of the code right and so not only the one that you've written and that you don't feel guilty that you're changing someone else's code or someone else doesn't feel offended that someone else is changing my code and evolving it uh, so that's another aspect of collective code ownership as well and uh, what's the uh, best part about uh, collective ownership i've seen in all my projects so far i think so is whenever a person looks at a code and he or she just makes a statement hey i don't like this code mm. and you know the moment they make that statement they have explicitly also said that they want to change it mm-hmm. right and that's where you smile and you say that you know go ahead change it that's fine and uh, i've i've not just seen senior people doing that i have i've seen a lot of uh, all all types of you know all uh, experience levels it it really doesn't matter after a point that you know what experience levels you are on and only a senior person should take ownership is not something i agree to as well because um, uh, no matter how senior you get you still got only two pair of eyes two people sitting together and just looking at the same piece of code right not every commit can be monitored not not you know it's human right so uh, what used to happen most of the time is if you don't like the code and you don't know what you need to do that's where you can ask for you know help and help still doesn't mean that it's a senior person it still means that anybody can help you out so that's that's where um, i've been so far and um, that made me learn a lot of things where i had uh, perspectives i had lot of uh, thought processes where i thought this can be done like this and it turned out to be a better design at the end of the day so that's Number one funny moment which i want to uh, share here like uh, while he was uh, like saying that okay when someone says that though this is not the good code and then somebody else says okay go ahead and um, refactor it right so like sometimes i think i don't know like uh, almost all of the developers have always gone through this situation where you see the code and then you realize oh no this is not good this is crap and then you realize oh you have written it sometime ago <laughs> so, <laughs> so like that is a sign that you know like you have not actually evolved your the code is not evolved over the period of time is like you know in the wiser over time right yeah yeah wiser yeah what the system is what the and the requirements has changed and now when you look at what is the, then it feels completely out of sync with what the direction is and and so yeah it's it's a bit of both <laughs> yeah and i think similarly uh, my experience is whenever i am done with the project right and i think about how i coded i always feel oh, that was shit you know i sh- i should have done it differently <laughs> but you don't have a opportunity to do that but i think that is how as you rightly said it's a evolution yeah. in terms of your own thinking your own experience so. 
I think part of that also is, uh, uh, I mean, to your point, right, about uh, about feeling like that about what what has happened. Uh, I've heard this a lot of times that oh, we should just scrap all of this and start fresh, and we'll do so um, uh, a much better job. Uh, but I think uh, that is not possible in the real world, uh, and and I feel like just practicing evolving what exists right now gives you that perspective of saying uh, you it's not it's not humanly possible to you know mm-hmm. just just delete uh, a whole bunch of code and start fresh because that's not the right thing to do you have to start from where you are and and i think this just gives you that practice of uh, of accepting that and and building on what is available yeah so uh, uh, very quickly then i i think pair programming of course is a big uh, aid in uh, in making this evolutionary design thing happen because uh, that's what then you know results into people feeling like you know it doesn't matter our experiences and our context and so on but together we are uh, we are confident enough strong enough to be able to figure out what's the right thing to do right now in this story and then pair rotations uh, over a period of time bring in other people's perspective and make collective code ownership really uh, start happening for real and that's how in different stories then different configurations of pair look at the same piece of code in different ways and find interesting ways to improve it and, and evolve it so that becomes important uh, you mentioned dev huddles that plays a big part we don't talk about it enough I feel it's yeah. very uh, it's very useful very yeah. crucial for teams to do uh, enough dev hurdles know yeah. mm-hmm. how to you know how to effectively share context with the whole team about what you're going to do the huddle about and really use it as as a mechanism to both validate but also sometimes just share design mm-hmm. uh, thinking and and decisions uh, so that's useful uh, it's called dev huddle i i i feel that 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 name might actually be yeah. a disservice because it excludes team huddle yeah, probably yeah because it can potentially exclude the business, business analyst, analyst as well as QA, QA but I, which is not I think the right okay, yeah, yeah I agree one more point which I would like to add here is like a simple and clean design. So like sometimes also we face this, right? That, okay, you want to evolve the design, but the current design itself is so much complicated and over-engineered that it becomes really hard to like refactor or it takes like a lot of time and cost to uh, refactor the current design. So I think we have to keep it simple, like yeah. do not uh, over-complicate it. And uh, and again, so there are other other practices that um, lead us in that direction, right? So test-driven development, uh, small uh, small check-ins, yeah. Yeah. all of the even small stories. You know, mm. just ensuring that stories are small makes a big difference in how in in the granularity of things that you do. So you could like do everything else similarly, but for for a team. Uh, create stories that are two weeks long each of them you would find that it becomes very hard now to think of uh, how will I design this thing mm-hmm. if that story is so big that it will take two weeks you see what I mean yeah, yeah. it will become significantly difficult to do the same thing uh, as compared to with smaller stories of two three days um, so uh, yeah I think it's useful to uh, for for us to reflect on that there are these all of these multiple parts that are coming together for uh, for it to happen it won't be possible to really confidently evolve design 
in absence of some of these mm. other practices one thing that i would add is you know how do how do how do i sense uh, uh, or how do i keep watch on the uh, you know how do i have a confidence on the design right so one of the indicator that i always like to keep a watch on is the technical debt that we have so whenever we discuss in the huddles or in the in the, in the stand ups we talk about you know technical debts and we mention it on the wall and we you know uh, in terms of impact and cost we we place them on a graph so i think as a leads uh, we should keep a watch on that debt because then that gives you confidence in terms of what is going on in the code and how serious uh, is the design uh, issue that we have at hand so that could be good indicator uh, uh, to keep a watch on yeah and like you say if you if you um, as as the tech leads if we uh, keep a watch but do it in a way such that it becomes visible to everyone else as well uh, other developers and the business analyst and yeah. the and the project manager and the client like if yeah. everybody in the team really starts seeing that then they would also uh, yeah. start watching out for it yeah. and start knowing how to balance it better so that you don't have to be the only one who's fighting that right 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 yeah so, yeah cool uh, were there other things we should talk about um I think a couple of interesting points that came up in the conversation that I would just like to mention. Uh <clears throat> so one uh, interesting aspect that Chirag you brought about was uh, uh was that whole deep thinking aspect. And uh, and so what you were saying was uh, that in the beginning there's uh, less pressure and that's why you get that time to really think about design. Uh and while you know doing it in small chunks uh is definitely more useful and and so you should do it uh, iteratively uh, along the way instead of doing all of it up front um uh, i'm i'm wondering if there's more that uh, or or there are practices that help you do that uh, in the beginning like for example you were talking about simple things like doing up front design for a story uh, so is it a practice that you follow that when you do a story you, you when you pick up a story as a pair you would spend the first half hour just talking about how are we going to go about this and and have you used that or not used it and have you find it found it useful or not so those kind of things if you can talk about yeah so uh, i i remember uh, working on one of the very big chunks which we started breaking it down when we started discussing and uh, a lot of stories came out of it and you know uh, what we realized is we were working on two st- different stories and we were stepping on each other's foot at that point and that's where uh, we started discussing design over there and how the design of the other story would impact the story and it happens many times that you know you have parallel streams and if you don't have that uh, design already discussed when both of us are working on the story it might mess up one of those so uh when we had that discussion uh very interesting points came up like you know uh what were the domain objects we were talking about for example and we would uh, immediately see that we were talking about same objects interactions and that took out a lot of uh, redundant code as well because we knew who is going to write what functions over there as well so the behavior is something that got exposed over there and um it's i'm i'm not sure how much time it took but even if it took that much time it was worth because the next stories became easier after that 
once the design was set for one of those the next stories had no blockers so uh, my experience is that whenever you have such stories it's better to have a hurdle maybe a couple of guys or whosoever is picking up the story and just get started with a discussion before you jump to the code yeah so in my previous uh, project i had experienced that uh, whenever we used to have like a, a particular piece of a feature for example like i was working on a mobile application where we had to design the whole network component and there were around 4 or 5 uh, stories of the network component so like uh, and we were like two dev pairs uh, working on that uh, part so then we we used to have upfront design discussions in terms of we know the requirement because this is like this is something which we are going to pick up in the next iteration itself so why can't we just have some ideas floating around that what kind of uh, design we should follow and how this component should look like so that kind of uh, thing like actually really helps you to develop also the stories pretty fast because then actually you have everything in head that okay which way you are going to go ahead with otherwise it is like only one development pair is looking into it and then if that pair moves to something else and someone else picks up then whatever the initial thought that developer pair has right that is like gone mm. so then it's it really helps if we have this kind of design discussions mm. so that's uh, that's equivalent of like uh, tech analysis of stories of one iteration before or yeah. something like that yeah, yeah. okay and i think uh, uh, to continue on that point i think what we've tried to do in the past is uh, for a st particular streams, right, where the stories are interlinked. So if, if you call that as a stream, we would uh, what we have done is we have tried to keep one anchor point. Uh, so that anchor in all the pairs that would work on that stream, he would continue for some time so that the design and the thought process is consistent. So I think that has helped a lot uh, in, the, in the previous project. Cool. On and the, sorry, on the deep thinking bit, um, do you do you folks think it um, becomes hard for introverts to really go deeper when you're pairing all the time it's a slightly different conversation to ev evolving design but do you, do you, have you felt it and have you tackled it in some way so i myself also sometimes feel that you don't have to keep pairing all the time uh, you need your own pace as well because sometimes what happens like if you if you do not uh, have your own pace to think right you may not um, think properly or you may not go deep into your thoughts and then it's like if so somebody is like driving or is uh, thinking fast then you just go ahead with that and then you are not contributing enough while pairing so i think you need that on off time as well you should not continuously keep pairing because otherwise i think the both uh, the person are not, uh, both people are not contributing uh, enough uh, while developing Cool. And then the last point that I wanted to touch upon was uh, something that Vidhi you mentioned, which I, I feel like is going to stay with me uh, for some time, uh, is uh, just to reiterate that evolution doesn't mean that what was there previously was wrong. Uh, it means that what was there previously was right for what uh, the requirements were at that point. And that's a very important thing to keep in mind because one of the biggest uh, arguments that I've heard over the years about upfront anything is uh, or or evolutionary anything like you say oh, we are going to be agile and people say oh, that's just because you want to be lazy about requirements and you don't want to do all the thinking thinking up front uh, and that's not the point the point is not that you're uh, you're you know uh, you're being lazy about design or requirements but the point 
uh, is that you're leaving your options open uh, till the last responsible moment, like you said, uh, to do the right thing when you know what the requirements are. And so uh, just to keep in mind that as uh, you know, whatever was there previously wasn't wrong, uh, but it was right for the requirements at that point in time. Cool. Anything else that uh, anyone else to add? Cool. cool. Thanks a lot uh, uh, for participating in this, and we'll see you in another episode of Practicing SP. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.